My guest today is one of the rare managers who also serves as an inspiring mentor for the whole staff. He exhibits strong interpersonal skills and a unique capacity for empathy in his positive attitude and respect for others. The feel towards him is palpable. I didn't write that. A colleague of his wrote that. So let's see if it's consistent. So let's look at what some of his other colleagues write about him. He's self-motivated, broad-minded, and an expert in man management. Always delivers by deadline with no slip-ups, just results. And he knows how to work from a distance, but also highly results-focused and an inspirational leader. Here's something else somebody said about him. Most people claim that they're drivers of change and never happy with the status quo. This is genuinely the case with Ronan. During the time I worked with him, he moved roles and restructured a sales team twice in 12 months. And throughout this period of rapid change, he remained focused on the outcomes, upbeat and personally responsible to the team. He's also an accomplished sales professional, plus a really good guy to boot. Roland Lundy, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thanks, thanks for having me, Paul. Um, I w- wasn't expecting an introduction like that at all. Um, I hope, um, I hope I can live up to the uh, to the expectations. That, that, that's, that's what, what we're about to find out now, Ronan, is yeah. Does the man <laughs> live up to the legend, the myth? Right, exactly. All right. So let's go back, if it's okay with you, Ronan. Go back to where it all began. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what sort of experience that was. Yeah, so um, in terms of growing up, so I grew up Dublin 12, Crumlin Kimmage area. Um, so look, yeah, you know, from from a work, working class background there. Um, my dad started off in Guinness factories, likes that, um, moving on to Lufthansa um, in aeronautic welding. So I look, it was a really good grounding for me, I think, when I look back to, I suppose, things that shaped me for my professional career. Um, certainly, like, you know, I look at, obviously, my dad was doing completely different work than I've ever been doing, and he wouldn't have a clue what I do, and I don't have a clue what he did either. Um, however, I think the, the big kind of commonality that happened when I look at how my dad worked and the work ethic that he had, and just, I suppose, the values that he brought to us, um, you know, for, for me and my brothers and sister, um, I think that just really kind of, I think it shaped us all and really shaped me in terms of when it came to moving into um, a sales career, the mm. type of work ethic that you'd need, the type of attitude that you'd need. I think they're really big things that have kind of helped shape me in terms of my own career and things that I always look for when I'm looking for, you know, when I'm looking to hire, when I'm looking for people that I want to develop their own, their own career, develop their own skills. Um, you know, they're the things that I always look for. It's down to yeah. the attitude, the capability, the work ethic. They're the things that you have intrinsically in you um, that you can't train for. Yeah. I'd like to talk a little bit more about that attitude and maybe in terms of examples, because you said you, you you got that inspiration a lot from your father and, and the values, I should say. Talk mm. to me a little bit about those values because attitude in itself is one of these vague terms. We don't know exactly what it means. We we know it when we see it, but it's harder to define. Yeah. Talk to me about the values that you feel shaped you, other yeah. than work ethic, because that's clear. Yeah, yeah. Like, look, like I said, look, the, the work ethic is obviously a big part. Like, look, for me, I think it comes down to respect. And I think it's saying, you know, that and respect is respect for your colleagues, respect for your know, people that you're reporting into, the people that report into you. And respect for the customers that we're dealing with every single day of the week. Mm. Um, and I really think you know, if you have that, like if you have a strong level of respect for the people around you, I think like you, know, you always hear these examples of, you know, people who come in for interviews and the manager asks how did they treat the person at reception when they greeted them, or like you know other things like you know the president looking at like you know, dealing with the, the the janitor the exact same way as they deal with the CEO of a company. And I think. You know, that's a that's a big thing for me. Like I think like when I look at my parents, I look at my dad and you know, specifically, he's just a really respectful guy. Um, you know, doesn't, you know, go out of his way to cause never went out of his way to cause trouble. I'm sure my mother might say otherwise. Um and I'm sure I'm sure people might say otherwise about me from time to time. Mm. Um but I think it's always having the best interests at heart. You know, even if sometimes there are conflict and likes of that, if you can kind of walk away and know 
the reason for that conflict or difference in opinion was coming from a good place, then I think mm. you know that's what for me really can help you drive your career, really help drive a team, whether that's a sales team, an operations team. I think if you've got that level of kind of mutual respect all around, and it's not, like I said, it's not just a thing as, hey, I'm your manager, I'm the leader, you guys need to respect me or the likes of that, that doesn't work. It's mutually, you know, I'm as a, I say this to my team all the time, um, you know, aside from that respect piece, accountability, and the accountability is upwards and downwards. If I say to my team, hey, I'm going to solve this problem and I'm going to do it by X and Y, I need to deliver that for them. So I've made that commitment. The same way that they, they've got accountability to me around hitting KPIs, hitting numbers and likes of it. So is that if your bottom line sense of say what you're going to do and do what you said? I, I think you've, you've summed it up. You've summed it up very well there, yeah. And yeah. you know what? Sometimes you won't be able to deliver. But again, it's about making sure that's not a surprise either, right? That doesn't come out at the end. That you're keeping everybody in the loop. And if there's blockers there, if I need help to get to move those blockers, I know the people who can help me do that. And likewise, you know, that's a big part of my job. It's moving obstacles for my team. It's mm. how can I help them be better? How can I help them close more deals? How can I help them develop their career? A lot of it's moving those obstacles that are preventing them from doing that and, you know, facilitating that chain for them. Mm. Sounds to me like you, where you, the environment you grow up in, you are given a good operating system to work from, a mental operating system in terms of yeah. values and, and beliefs. Yeah. Uh, you also grew up in a, in a working class area, you said, in, in Crumlin, Kimmage area. Uh, talk to me about maybe some of the... Sorry, I guess what I want to ask is, was coming from a working class background and working your way into corporate life, did that, was that a hindrance or a help to you? Um, yeah, um, good question. I think I definitely wouldn't look at it as a hindrance. Um, and certainly, certainly you know, less so back when I would have started my professional career coming out of college. Um, if anything, like I said, again, I think people in those areas, like not like you know, same in lots lots of areas around the country, but there's a real, yeah, there's a really strong sense of community in those areas. There's a real strong sense of that again, that work ethic around, um, you know, to get stuff done, um, you know, to you know, to be able to do that, and that's you know, like definitely, that was a you know, really big thing to me. And I think, I think if anything, yeah, it was a help for me. Um, in terms of getting into my, the career that I'm in now. And look, sales, it's, it's a tough gig. There's lots of knocks. You've got to be really resilient. Um, like I said, you've got to have that strong work ethic and the good attitude. And I definitely, you know, I look back at my time, yeah, like I absolutely think that that's helped shape. It's definitely shaped the person I am professionally yeah. and personally, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm always interested in exploring these paradoxes in life whereby we often look at people who have things easy as privileged. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 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 I'm working my way through this in my head to trying to figure out, is the real privilege, is that being somewhat deprived? I don't mean deprived in its literal sense, but maybe not having everything so easy, where you had to work for it and therefore you developed a stronger work ethic and then you developed mm -hmm. a sense of appreciation and a sense of accomplishment because you've had to work your way into a situation rather than be given it to you. And the reason where I, I give some context to this, the reason why mm -hmm. I'm asking this is I did a, I had a conversation with a chap recently who grew up in, an, in a very working class area in London and he found himself in Dubai and he was there for eight years and he came back and he moved to Ireland. Um, very simply, he said his kids had life too easy and they were too soft. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, that's, that's a, yeah, it's pro I'm probably not the best person to answer that. A, I don't have any kids, so we're my own to be able to give the context. But I think, look, again, you know, I, I work, you know, I'm, I'm in a very multicultural company right now and I have been in multicultural companies for the last probably decade at this point. 
And with that, you know, you get people from all walks of life. And, you know, I think for me, again, I think it does, I put a lot of it you know, around it's the family unit around you, the friends you have around you that really kind of help. You know, they're the things that more so shape you mm. as the person as opposed to, hey, this is the area that I grew up in. Mm. Um, it's, I think that's, you know, that's where the influence ultimately mm. comes from. What is working in a multicultural environment? What has that taught you about people and about life? Um, good question. So in terms of people... I think at the end of the like again, I think at the end of the day, no matter where you're from, whether it's a different city, different country, it likes that. Fundamentally, people are all the same, right? They've got the you know, they they want, especially from you know from when you're looking in a professional kind of context, they want to work for you know they want to work in a company that has a good culture. You want that around you, and a good culture you know is built on a number of different levels, but a lot of that's going to be around you know how again how people treat each other within the organisation. Um, everyone, you know, no matter where you're from, everyone wants that. Um, I think, again, looking at things like attitudes and the likes of these, I think, again, there are a lot of them are fundamentally the same. The big learnings I've taken, though, um, is how my, you know, my style or approach to people has had to adapt. And that can be down to a few things, whether it's just simple things like the language I use. And when I say that, I don't mean obviously speaking in Spanish versus French or English, just, you know, slang terms, stuff like that, that, you know, that not, you know, that people from other countries um, or even other cities might not get, right? Um, I think it just allow, I think it just opens you up to really see, okay, where are the areas within me that I can learn from, you know, learn from these, you know, from different people, from different cultures and adapt my style to make me a more well-rounded leader, a more well-rounded person. Um, you know, like again, both personally and professionally. And I feel like, you know, certainly in my time, particularly in Quantcast, where I've had so much exposure um, to like just different markets, um, like said, really multicultural, and going to meet clients in different in different parts of the world and likes that. I've learned so much in terms, and I've had a lot of challenges there, but the team around me have been able to help me with that as well. And I think that's the fun part. Mm. Um, you know, that's that that's that'd be my kind of take on it. Well, I'm curious, where did you in, in your in your family with your siblings? Mm -hmm. Where are you, eldest, youngest, middle? I'm the baby. I'm the youngest. You're the baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> are you a peacekeeper? Um, at home, I probably cause <laughs> I probably cause a little bit more trouble than the rest of me. Maybe. Mm. Um, but, but yeah, like I suppose I'd, I'd probably see myself maybe as, yeah, to an, to an extent probably would be, yeah. I ask because there was a comment in one of your testimonials and it, was, <laughs> it said that you were very good at conflict resolution and that the interesting bit, and I, I should get the exact text, but it was something to do with uh, when there's a bust up in the boardroom, you're there to calm things down. And I'm, I'm yeah, curious yeah. to know what's this bust up in a boardroom? I actually know that testimony you're talking about now, and I think I think they, they put it very well. But like, I, I, I I'm not going to give you. There, there wasn't a specific bust up in a, in the boardroom <laughs> in any of the companies I've been in. Um, however, look, there's always there's always disagreements between you know whether it's within the same team, different teams, different departments, whatever it might be. And again, I think like you know somebody needs to be able to pull both sides together, look at both points of view, and try and just find the commonalities. Lots of most often than not, certainly in a work environment, with a lot of the you know anytime there's conflict and the likes of this, everyone's trying to get to the same outcome. They've just got different views, different opinions of how to get there. And I think if you can, you know, bring everyone back to what are we trying to solve for and get everybody back onto that same page, I think you can resolve a lot of those conflicts. And even even things like, you know, going back to like, you know, the language you use, um, words like conflict and like they probably don't even help the matter. Um, I remember even recently interviewing a candidate um, for an AE job here. I'm sure they won't mind me um, talking about this. I won't mention their name, but... 
Um, you know, one of the questions I did ask that person was, you know, give me, you know, talk to me about a time where you had conflict in your previous sales role and, you know, and what exactly the issue was and how did you address it and move on from it. And the immediate reaction to just framing a question like that was almost like, no, I don't really have any examples and I don't really get into conflict. And it was just by a simple thing of reframing that question. Well, look, when, you know, conflict's a very strong word. But talking about a time when you had a disagreement with somebody, of course you've had times where you've disagreed with a colleague you know, on, on a matter. And then they were able to open up. And the, like, the example that that person gave me in that interview was phenomenally good. And it really showed me you know, somebody who can deal with those difficult situations and actually get a really positive outcome with them. And manage through it in a really, in a really respectful, good way. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Does that answer? No, it, answer it, 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 was, it was more of, out of interest in terms of conflict resolution is is a real skill to be yeah. able to step into something and help to bring people who are emotionally charged mm -hmm. around where uh, to to a place where they've they've got something in common. Yeah, and recognize it, and, and to kind of take the emotion out of it and and problem solve. Yeah, because you, you even said it yourself in how you framed the question was you said how they had some conflict, but how they moved on from it. Yeah, and that's important. And I think what else it does for me is your example you gave it illustrates that words are important. Mm. I, I find there's a lot of people in this business and. They said, you know, body language is everything, tonality and words don't matter that much. And I'm kind of going, no, they do. They, they really do matter. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely, um, completely agree with you on that. Um, the way I literally had this conversation. So about that exact example. So um, one of uh, another manager here, Quancast, who was newer into the role, had in, as part of the interview process, typical tech company. You go through a million interviews before you get the job. Um, but so um, the exact the exact same question had been asked by somebody else on the panel, and they didn't get an answer from the candidate um, because of. And again, my feedback was really around because when I when we went to do a debrief about the candidate, and I brought up the subject, they said, "Oh, I asked I asked the same question. I didn't get anywhere." So I'd be really interested to pick your brain about how you got you know, got that answer and got the detail um, from the candidate on that and. I just rewound it back around. At the end of the day, I think it's really easy, especially in a work environment, especially in things like interviews, presentations, and the likes of these. It's really easy to get bogged down into using all the jargon, all the different um, sort of looking for um, buzzwords, all the all the buzzwords, all that stuff. It's really easy to start using all of those. Mm. But at the end of the day, I don't go when I go home and talk talk to my partner. Or I'm, or I'm meeting up with my friends for the first time in six months. I don't talk in that same, you know, that's not yeah. how I talk yeah. now. I don't, I, don't, I, I, I don't ask people, hey, have you had any conflict at home today? No, you might say, hey, I heard you had a bit of a, a, bit of a bust up or something. Yeah. But, but I think it's like the reason I'm kind of talking about it, I think it's like you said, I think the language is important because mm. I think the choice of words can either have a situation open up for you in a really positive way, or it can actually put people, you know, get people more guarded. So the words, I think, are just as important as that tone, the the um, body language. It's a package, right? Do you? I'm curious to know if you get a sense of personal satisfaction out of being somebody who has that skill set to come in and bring people together who, from the outside, might look like they, they're they're poles apart and help them resolve something. Um, absolutely, absolutely. That's you know that's part of the, that's part of the job, um, and it's it, it kind of goes back to you know I'm I'm in sales right, and obviously you know, the the key thing that that anybody in sales gets measured on is going to be your numbers, right? It's going to be your revenue. But actually, in fairness, we've been talking now for about twenty minutes, and we've not even mentioned anything about that. Um, in terms of how you measure people's success, mm. it goes for me. It goes far beyond that. Um, you know, it is it is the other accomplishments around whether it's 
bringing it, bringing two teams together that have had opposing views and helping them solve things, whether it's the, you know, whether it's the other, you know, smaller things, um, that you know, smaller day-to-day things, or helping just people, you know, achieve really big goals personally or professionally. Mm. Um, like they're the things that give, you know, that additional level of satisfaction. Mm. If you're just, you know, I, if I just was smashing my numbers every quarter, not that I've been smashing my numbers every single quarter, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're having a, having a good year so far. Um, that's not enough, yeah. you know. You've got, and especially, you know, if you're, you know, whether you're an individual contributor, as you might call yourself, um, a manager, a director, whatever it might be, you know, it's all about it's those it's those extra things outside of just the core number one mm. responsibility mm. that you know that I that I get a lot of satisfaction from, and they're the things that I think, you know, people gravitate towards. I want to work with you then. Mm. Funny enough, what was going through my head when you talked about conflict, and I'm just going to use the term loosely, yeah, yeah. Um, is that it's, and I'd never thought about it this way until, until you started talking about it as a skill set, and, and you gave a very particular context, but in essence, in sales, don't we all, for, the, for, for really, really good sellers, are good at conflict resolution because in in almost all purchases there's some conflict in the prospect's head should i buy now should i buy from these guys can i trust them there's that internal conflict and yeah. then there's also the worry that well what will my colleagues if, if i if i sponsor this particular vendor and a colleague has a different one then there's a potential for a conflict then and what a good salesperson does is recognizes that potential and yeah. comes in and works through that process, through the very same process you talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I never I, looked at it that way. Um, absolutely. And like I said, like I think you've hit the nail on the head there, especially in sales. You've got yeah, you've got the individual you're selling to, and like they've got that whole conflict going on in the head. Should I buy from these guys? Should I not? Should I stick with who I'm working with? But then there's all the other beyond that. Yeah. Not just that one person you're selling to, right? It's it's you know their boss as well. Mm. It's other teams, and sometimes it's again you need to be able to bring those other teams into that sales process, and again get everybody behind that kind of you know what are we what's the outcome we're looking for here? What's the problem we're trying to solve? And again, getting everybody aligned with that same kind of vision, mm. and that yeah that and bringing them along through the process to get to the outcome that everybody's happy with. That you know, that the you know the the seller walks away happy, the customer walks away even happier, and that's that's a win win for everybody, right? Yeah, for sure. Listen, I'm interested in your transition from sales into sales leadership. Yeah, and what what surprised you most? And when I say surprised, that could be in a positive way, or you can look at it in a way of saying, what did I struggle with the most in terms of? What did I have to learn? Mm-hmm. What obstacles did I have to overcome? It's, it's that, that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so re- really good question. So, my, so, well, yeah, so when I made that transition from, you know, salesperson to sales manager, so that's going back to my time with O2 on the business sales team there. Um, and, like, I suppose in terms of the biggest thing to, to really, I suppose, to really wrap my head around was really about just that understanding that I'm no longer fully in control of everything. And what I mean by that is when I was a sales rep in O2, I, you know, I, I'm, respon- I'm responsible for hitting my targets. And I know how to do that. I know, okay, if I do X amount of phone calls, do X amount of pitches, you know, I was really good at knowing what's the pipeline that I need to get, not to just hit my number, but to hit the number that I wanted to get to. Um, and I was really good at that, really effective at doing that. But then when you go into managing a team, you completely lose that, right? Because mm. you're not just worrying about yourself now. You know, you've got to be able to then, you know, bring, bring the, again, bring the team together to be able to get, to be able to achieve that, the, the overall team goals and the likes of that. But again, you know, you've got lots of opposing views. You've got people who, you know, you're sitting to get, you're sitting next to them one day as colleague, and the next day you're now their manager. Um, now, what I'd say is I was really, I was really fortunate that 
you know, the team, when I stepped into managing that team, um, the team were completely behind me, or at least I hope they were. Um, they certainly made it feel like they were. They, they were behind the decision to, to move me into that role. Um, my pre, you know, the, man, the outgoing manager had recommended me for the job to, the, to their boss. So it was, you know, there was a lot of things that were quite seamless, but still a long way to go before I actually, you know, it wasn't, I didn't, you know, it wasn't even officially into the management capacity. I was kind of 50-50 player coach type of role. Look, you're still going to need to look after your own stuff for the next three months just while we kind of bed things in, you know, prove yourself in the management role and the likes of that. Um, but like, yeah, that's like that's the big thing I think for anybody um, is realizing that it's not just about you anymore. <laughs> it's you know, if anything, the last thing about that it's about now is you. Yeah, you right. Are, you are somewhat hostage. It's you know, it's you yeah, and like actually, I saw I can't remember I saw this on, but I thought it was a really, really good way to put the way they did this, and it was somebody who was drawing out an org chart. For their business so you know so typically you see that org chart you know you've got ceo vps directors all this you know all the way down but actually they flip that model and it makes sense and actually at the top it's your let's say it's your aes then it's your sales manager then it's your sales director then it's your vp and then it's your ceo type of thing because ultimately you know my job is to serve the team right it's again it's to enable the team to be able to do what they you know what they need to do here and what they want to achieve um and yeah again for me like that's a like that is that can be a mindset change for people especially um because actually it wasn't it was probably later on this morning i was even reading an article um that's a, a connection on linkedin it actually shared around um promoting top performers into managers just because you're a top performer doesn't mean you're going that a you're going to be successful as a manager b that you know you even want to be a manager and c that it's typically it's the only kind of it's the the only next step that people see when there's lots of lateral movements you can make as well um but yeah i think it's it's really important to understand that it's yeah it's not just you anymore it's really about yeah. It's really about the team, and you're the last person yeah. that's actually. Um, I think one of the reasons why you. people want to be managers is that on the org org chart, yeah, it it it's it's a move up the perceived hierarchy. Exactly, uh, and I think you're right. That's a mistake because people who are really good as an individual contributor don't necessarily make great managers. Mm -hmm. And that can mess with them as well. And there's people who are ordinary, you know, they they were B players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Players, but make terrific managers. Absolutely, absolutely. Because look, it's a completely different skill set. And even like, you know, look, I've known like some serious top performers, and they've got, they, and they've actually got zero interest in being a manager. And you know what? That's fine too. And in some cases. I think there's sometimes there can be a perception of people like that as well. Oh, they're not really motivated because mm. they don't want to develop. Because again, people view development as being that moving up the ladder. But for that person, you know, that like you know, I, I can be that type of you know the old school lone wolf salesperson. You know, sometimes you need those type of people as well, right? Because they're the, you know, because that's the type of person. And like I said, I've known, I've known, um, you know, I've known a, a small number of them over the years, but they're really, really successful, and they're really, really happy because they're doing what they want to do. They're not doing what, you know, some, you know, maybe, you know, where maybe they've gotten pushed into it, and ultimately not being really happy in that role. And you know, that's that's a big part of leadership as well, right? Is being able to identify what's the right role for somebody. Um, you know, because we've all we always get those situations where somebody's not performing on the role, mm. and sometimes it's quite easy to look and say, "Oh, it's down to that individual," but it's not always the case. Sometimes it's just look, it's just not the right role for you. Mm. And I think if, as a leader, if you're able, that's a really tricky conversation to have, and um, it's sometimes a conversation that people don't want to have with that person either. But I can guarantee you, if you have a conversation like that with somebody, they're probably going to thank you for it afterwards. They yeah. might, 
you know, they might get a bit guarded about it and they're you know, wondering what's the underlying motivation that maybe, you know, that might be behind it. But again, I think going back to, you know, if your team are bought into you, you've got that trust, you know, that again, that trust that's going both ways, that respect with each, with each other, the accountability. I think they'll be a lot more, they're a lot more open to that. Yeah. And sometimes, and I've seen, and again, I've had, I've had conversations like that with people and yeah, they've been tricky, but actually then they've, you know, they've either moved on to another role, maybe within the company or maybe just in a completely different company. And they've absolutely smashed what they're doing because now they're in a role that they're actually really happy with, you know, and suits them, fits them, and they're absolutely smashing it and their careers are going, you know, flying up. So it's, yeah, yeah, you've always got to have that just bit of empathy. Tell me about the uh, leadership function or role that comes with a job that you least look forward to or that takes a lot of energy from you to do it? So part of part of the job is, well, I think like, look, the, I, I, for me personally, like look, the, the least enjoyable part of is always gonna be those more admin type of tasks. And when I say that, that can be anything from having to spend, you know, a few hours getting a presentation together um, because, you know, we've got a big, uh, like, look, you know, two weeks ago we had, um, a global sales summit coming up, you know, so I had a lot of preparation to do for that. You know, that's that's not the fun stuff, right? Is the, you know all that preparation. However, you know, it's it's part of the job. You have to do it. But what by doing that though, the not so fun parts of it actually leads. You know, more often than not, I think will lead you to lots of fun things. And what I mean by that is new ideas. If you know, the, 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 I think. The, the parts of the job that sometimes you're not most akin to doing or wanting to do, the things you feel like you need to push yourself more to do, more often than not, I think when you do them, you'll come out on the other end of that with some new fresh thinking, a new perspective on thing, a new idea, and actually, and that's the stuff, and that's the stuff that you're excited about, and that's the fun stuff for you. You know, taking that little bit of pain mm. has meant I've come out now with new goals, new visions, new ideas whatever it might be that can help, you know, me as an individual, help my team, help the business. You know, that's again, for me is yeah. it's, it's worthwhile. Like, and I, look, I, I think, you know, that's, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't want that to be like, is it too, too much of an easy mark to say like the admin stuff is the, yeah. is the part of the role that I don't enjoy, but Hey, I, but I am, I'm hard. I'm hard. I'm a salesperson. Nobody, nobody in sales. Like admin. Yeah. Yeah. So then talk to me about the part of the job that you would do, even if they aren't paying you, that you just enjoy it so much. Um, like, just, like, to be honest with you, there's, there's a few. There's, there's genuinely a few of those things. Um, you know, I, I, I generally love working with the team that I'm working with here. And what I mean by that, like, you know, the things that I do for free with, with like, you know, in the, in the role. I'm, I'm expecting you to say, ah, here, Paul, come on. <laughs> free, you must be joking me. However. <laughs> free, free, free might be a bit of a stretch, right? But, um, you know, but again, there's, when I look back, like there's people I keep in contact, you know, from just purely, you know, professional perspective, like, you know, people who would have been colleagues in the past, you know, not necessarily people that I see all the time around this, but people who I'm happy if they give me a call and they want to actually talk about something because maybe actually, you know what, they're going for a new job or whatever it might be and they're looking to bounce some ideas off me. I'm always happy to do that. And I, equally, I've always had, you know, I've been, I've been very lucky in my career that I've had some really, really great managers in my time. I've had really great managers, even, like I've had really great leaders in my time um, that have really kind of helped, again, shape me as, you know, the leader that I am today. Um, but I genuinely love seeing the people on my team. It's, again, I'm going to go back to just in terms of they're achieving, you know, they're again, they're achieving their goals. And I'm going to harp on about it again. It's, I think, companies and, you know, managers and, like, in general, when you talk to people on your team about, like, you know, what do you want to work on? What do you want to, what do you want to develop? Um, you know, what's your goals? More often than not, that conversation is purely just about the professional side of things. You know, I want to be a senior AE, you know, I want to hit my targets or whatever it might be. But I think it's equally as, and I, 
this is something I've definitely been speaking about quite often um, over the last couple of months, just to remind people, I think it's really important to get that understanding of the personal goals as well, because, you know, we can, you know, part of, you know, you're, you spend what, like, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day in work, right? It's a big part of your life, you know, and the reason you're doing that is to help facilitate what's happening in your personal life as well, right? And I think it's, but it's, but how can we influence that or help that if we don't know what the hell that person's personal goals are? Maybe it's they're saving a deposit for a house. Maybe it's, you know what, they want to be able to travel two months of the year, whatever the hell it might be. Um, you know, it's really important to understand that. And like I said, I think understanding those type of things allow me to be a better coach, allow me you know, to help like develop people much better. And like, look, that's, that's the part of the job that I, that I really like. It's working with teams, helping them achieve yeah, goals. Yeah, to me like you're the professional people. Yeah. Um, and our customers, right? Like I, I do, I, I, I believe I work for, like the, the, the industry that I'm in, the company I'm working for, I, lo- I love the, the industry that I get to work in. Um, I'm at the, the company I'm with. We're at like we are like you know we're definitely at the forefront of that industry, and we're a challenger in there. Um, and it's just really exciting for me, and I love talking to the customers because they're equally as, as excited about the industry that we're in, the challenges that are coming in our industry. Um, and yeah, for me that's that's great. But you know, as a sometimes as a manager or a leader, you don't get to do as much of that either, right? Um, as you would have when you're yeah, when you're selling. I, I, want, I want you to imagine, Ronan, now that you've won a golden ticket, and a golden ticket means that you're you're, you're given your salary for the year, but you can't go to work. Um, how would you fill your time? And and it, the answer is not like going an island and so forth. It has to be realistic within an everyday context because you're still living at home, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Just curious to know what you would do differently if you didn't have to go to work. If I didn't have to go to work and I've got I've got a so I've got a salary coming in, I didn't have to go to work. Mm. What would I be doing? It's a, it's a really good question. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I so I like I focus a lot on future planning. Um, and again, you know, this goes back to you know I've got my own personal goals, right? Um, I think like if I wasn't, if I didn't have to dedicate a nine to five and I had a salary coming in, I would be looking at how, how do I invest for my future? And I, and I do mean that from a general, not, not invest in, in terms of development, but in terms of how do I invest to, you know, like I said, my, I feel like my, my, my parents set me you know, they, they put a lot of investment of time of, the, you know, of their time and energy into setting me up for, you know, for when I left school and for the future and like so that. I equally want to be able to do just as much for when I get to a stage when I'm retiring or whatever it is that, you know what, I've, you know, I, you know my future family is yeah. set up. And I think, like, if that's probably what I'd actually probably spend a lot of my time doing is investing. Like, you know, I do look at things like, you know, how, you know, passive income and the likes of these. Um, maybe they're not that. Maybe they're not that interesting. I wouldn't be going near crypto or anything because I don't yeah. know enough about it. Maybe I actually spend a lot of time researching things like um, crypto and all these platforms that you. Can what you're telling me is, you spend your life on the internet for that year. Um, no, 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 no. So because, no, like I said, when, when I'm looking, at, <laughs> I, I don't know enough about um, that type of investing at the moment. Um, but I think, look, look, that's that would definitely be a big thing that I'd be looking at. Is what like, would you do to enjoy? So I, I get it. You want to. You want to what you're talking about, as I understand it, you're talking about providing for your future as in making it secure. Okay, bring it back to the present. You've got a year and I want to enjoy it as well. So I'm taking care of the future, but I also want to enjoy what that kind of things, activities you would just want to do that would give you great joy and satisfaction in the moment. If I could really do it, it would be travel, to be honest with you, Um, because it's probably. I, I, I get to travel with work, you know, I've been to some place, you know, obviously got all these likes that. But you know what, but definitely one thing that I've probably missed because when I did leave college, I went straight into, you know, straight in, straight into work mode. Um, I never got, to, I, I didn't take, I never got that opportunity, you know, to do, you know, the year in Australia or anything like this. Mm. So if I had, you know, I didn't have any worries for the next year in terms of money coming in, the likes of that. Traveling would be Where would you go first. 
probably even more so now, just because obviously considering yeah. the situation, yeah. where they go first. Yeah. Um, well, and this is definitely driven by the situation that we're currently in. Where to go first? I'd probably hit Vegas for a few days first, and then I'd do my proper. Then I'd do my proper traveling. Um, but like the place, like Australia, I've, I've never never been to Australia. You know, I've yeah. got you know, I've got I know lots of people who've been to Australia. I've loved it. I'd love to check out Australia. I'd love yeah. to check out. I'd love to check out all the places. Unfortunately, at the moment, Australians can't even go to Australia. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, so like, but like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd love to have that opportunity because, like I said, I, it was definitely. An area that I it was definitely an area like so I've lots of friends who did that whole year away, um, and got that you know got the opportunity to do that because it's yeah. you know realistically you don't get many opportunities to do that once you start working right, yeah. um, it's really difficult. So that's the one area I've missed out on. I'd love to be able to do that. So you're you're in Vegas now and you've <laughs> blown you've blown all the money you've made on crypto, <laughs> and you, you've got a camper van for a week. What would you do? Where would you go? What 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 interests you? What where, what's the itch that you'd like to scratch? Um. Well, Donegal would be where I'd be heading if I was heading, if I was heading anywhere in a camper van. To be honest with you, from from Vegas. From Vegas. From Vegas. Right. <laughs> bit of a come down, right? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, it? No, no, come back, come back. I'm with you. you sorry, you said Donegal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's let's let's, let's go to Donegal. Uh. What what's talk to me about just what would what brings you alive about the idea of being a camper van in Donegal? Um, to be honest with you, I'm gonna go back to uh, family. My mother's from Donegal, um, and look, still have a lot of we have a lot of family who've you know traveled, you know, gone to the states and the likes of that. Um, but every and every year, you know, typically around like you know August Bank Holiday weekend, there was always it was always a big weekend for our family. Everyone will be back from the States, from the UK, wherever it might be. Um, and obviously for the last couple of years, we have been able, you know, for last year we weren't able to do that, but probably, you know, I don't know what this year will look like. Um, but I just have really great memories. So like I used to, when I was a kid, I'd, you know, we'd do the usual, go up, go up to Donegal for a week or two. The family would go home and I'd hang on for another month or two but, you know, with, with, with my cousins and the likes of that. Um, because it's just a beautiful part of the world. It's, um, you know, the, the people up there are great. Obviously, I've got loads of family up there, so I'm obviously going to say they're great. But the people in general up in Donegal are great. The like when you when you get to go around Donegal, it's just it's an unbelievable. When you get the sun up there, like it's just an unbelievable place. Share with me then your most treasured memory from that time. <laughs> Jesus, um, does that? <laughs> Um, I would say there's like there's a lot, but like there's always there's always this one that always takes me back with my cousin, <laughs> my cousin Seamus up there. Um, there's this big massive park across the road from my granny's old house, very small town. Like you've literally got like you know about ten houses, pub, post office. Lovely. You know that's that that's it, and then a big massive um, park field, whatever you might want to call it, across across the way. Um, which is huge and loads of places to explore in it and exploring through that and actually then finding ourselves in either getting lost or else up at the edge of it on the edge of a cliff or something is where we probably shouldn't be and wondering how the hell are we going to get ourselves out of this situation um, and then finding our way back afterwards um, would be definitely you know that and that happened probably a couple of times and there was probably times where where um, an uncle might have been like, where the hell are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> and starting to get worried about us. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, listening to that example, I'm wondering if that's behind the, the travel itch. It's that getting lost. Like some people, when they travel, they want the full package. They hmm. want to be driven to the sites. They want to get off the bus, take their pictures, get back on the bus, go back to the hotel. I'm guessing that's not your idea when you talk about travel. Um, I, I, I don't don't get me wrong. I do like my creature comforts. Um, I would like, I I'd, I'd, I'd take a bit of both. I don't want to cop out here, but I do I do like I, said, I do like my creature comforts. But I've never, like I said, I've never had that chance to, you know, explore through any you know place in South America or the likes of that. Um, and yeah, like I think it's it's a missed opportunity. It's something that. 
um, I'd love the chance to be able to do mm. Mm. while I'm while I'm able to walk. Yeah, no, I I I, I get that too. That uh, what I find fascinating is when I think about Ireland as a country, the size of it, and I've been here. I'm guessing by the colour of my hair and yours a little bit longer than you, um, that there's so much just of this tiny little island that I haven't mm. seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. fascinated times where I was coming home from my sister lives in Galway and I was overseeing her one weekend and I was just driving. I was on my own and I <clears throat> saw a sign for Athen Rye and I thought, you know, fuse of Athen Rye. I've heard this song more than once. I've never been to Athen Rye. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went into Athen Rye. Fascinating little town. Yeah. Then as I came out, I saw this other place, uh, Shannon Bridge. I was look, thinking about Clamac Noise, the, the, the monastery. Yeah. I'd never been there. And I, and I just, I had all day, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I thought, no, I'm going to drive down there. And I come into this little town called Shannon Bridge. And I see this f- fort that was there built for, by the, the French, I believe. And like, just fascinating. And so there's so much even on our own doorstep yeah. where you could scratch that itch. Aaron. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah, that. Absolutely. I, 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 I haven't even heard of the mention of Clown Mac Noise probably since I've been in school, right? I'm pretty sure that was in my history book somewhere. Fascinating. I went out with uh, my sons there recently. We, one, one weekend we said we'd just go around County Meath uh, visiting some of the, the historic places like Tara and Bechtav Abbey and, and uh, Trim Castle. Yeah. So, Phenomenal. The stuff yeah. that's on our own doorstep. Absolutely. Uh, it's it there to be explored. I, I think it's probably safe to say this year, let's be honest, that's, that's going to be the option for everybody, right? So I'd imagine that this year, if anything, people will get more opportunity, be able, like I said, to be able to see more of Ireland um, yeah. than they probably would have before. Because Yeah, I, I, I personally don't get people who want to go to Portugal with thirty de- in the middle of July and August, 30 degree heat, where you have to wear a mask outdoors on a beach yeah, yeah, yeah. Wetting, I that to me is the height of just that. That to me is that would be a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Now I hear you. Um, yeah. Vegas has removed all social distancing and masks, so that might that that, that might swing it for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever been to Vegas? Um, yeah, I've typically for the last few years, um, we've gone like twice a year. So it's, oh, uh, really, wow. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so have you done much of any of the sightseeing? <laughs> I know a guy who's been to Vegas many times, and I said to him, "Oh, what's the Grand Canyon like?" And he goes, "Never been there." <laughs> Are you going to tell me the same? I am. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I have, still haven't made the Grand Canyon, um, but I, it's yeah, it's. I just, I just think it, it offers so much for like literally, you can do everything there. You can do it. You can, if, you know, you can do it. Do it cheap if you want. Yeah. If you want, if uh, but they're equally as happy to take as much money off you too. Yeah, I tell you about it. Yeah. Back in two thousand and nine, uh, I went over the three kids, my wife. There's five of us, and we did the helicopter tour down the Grand Canyon, mm. and so that's the expensive. And there, about three years ago, maybe four, I was asked to do a gig, so I was going over on my own. Yeah. And so I was doing a keynote at a, at a sales kickoff in Vegas. And so well, I, <laughs> I told my wife I needed to build in a couple of days to acclimatize for this gig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I needed to adjust my body clock. And uh, <laughs> so I, I landed in Vegas, hopped in a car, and I drove that night to a place that I about a, a mile up the road from the Grand Canyon so I could wake up the next morning and... Yeah. Spend time there nice. and then, then drive back. Yeah. But, uh, it, it is, it is, it's, it's extraordinary. And it's those moments I, I find special in life. They are that whatever your beliefs in, in kind of spirituality or, or otherworldly stuff, and mine are not great to be honest, but you, you can't help but get a sense of awe. And, and mm-hmm. it's, you know, the Americans use the awesome. Yeah, brand. yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you're in a situation like that, I think there's few words that that can capture just that yeah. all uh which which is fascinating and yeah. then go back to the to the strip <laughs> yeah yeah very different 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, the first time I was there, I was there with family. So I literally, st I stayed in the Venetian and we just walked through because there's kids. And, and so I, I actually have not, I've been to Vegas twice and I've not put a, a slot in a slot, a uh, coin in a slot machine or pin. Third time lucky, Paul. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, it was funny because the last time I was there, I wanted to capture, and I know photography is, uh, is, is uh, frowned upon in, in the... Um, Actually, it's funny you should say about masks and social distancing. I was looking at some pictures recently that I took inside the one of the casinos that I was staying in. Now, I, w I wasn't holding the camera up to my eye or anything. I was uh, able to take some sneaky shots from my hip. Yeah. But I was standing beside uh, this woman. She was on a slot machine. And I only looked at the picture recently, so I know it's maybe four or five years ago, in fact. And she was wearing a mask inside yeah. the casino. Yeah, you, you you would have seen a lot of that. Even, yeah, like I said, even a few years ago. Yeah, there were all Asians doing that, but yeah, it was funny to look through the photographs and see that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now. <laughs> yeah, I know it's mad, isn't it? But uh, yeah, come back to me. I'd like to talk a little bit more about the the leadership side of things. I mean, we've mm -hmm. talked about what you enjoy about it and what kind of sucks the energy out of it. And it is like anything with paperwork and structure and admin, that kind of stuff can, yeah, is, it's nothing anybody looks forward to. Uh, what was it about it that maybe, what, what experiences have you had to go through that you really had to dig deep inside yourself to push yourself through? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, the, the, the areas where, like, you know, where you do need to dig deep, it's, all, it's, it's always going to be those times. Well, that's not even the first time you're going to be doing them. Um, I think it's the same for every, every manager, every lead. And, I, and again, no matter how experienced you are, you know, I had to have, again, going back to my first time moving into a management role, I had to have a really, really difficult conversation with one of the guys on the team probably within my first week as the, as the manager of the team. Um, and, you know, in fairness, like, you know, my, my, my manager, who, you know, the, the director at the time, um, you know, came to me and said, like, look, this is the situation here. Um, and, you know, had suggested, like, look, I know you're, you know, this is new for you and like that, but I think it would be probably a, you know, a valuable experience for you to get. So that was a, it was a really difficult conversation that I had to have, and it was a difficult decision that I then needed to make as well. Um, and that was the, I just think that they're always they're always really tricky situations. Mm. It's when you need to have difficult conversations with people on your team, people on your other team um, that, like I said, that might be not performing at the level that you that you might expect from them. But again, I think if you go back and like have that bit of empathy and putting yourself in that person's shoes, I think you can get like to what is a tricky situation, and you know, for the person at the time, can be really difficult. Mm. But I, I think again, if the if the right the right you know the the right kind of intention behind mm. it. Mm. Um, I think you know it's fundamentally it'll, it'll help, and I think, like I said, me having to do that so early <laughs> into 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 managing that's, a team that's deep end stuff. Um, you know, it, it was exactly it's in the deep end. So you know, it's the first I'm doing is okay. I, I had the support of my manager around decisions, and it, and even with having the conversation and likes that. Um, but it's always going to be those things that push you out of your comfort zone, mm. right? Um, so beyond that, like you know, the first time that I would have had. An opportunity to go to an event with Quantcast, where you know, um, I remember like there was probably three years ago now, maybe, and this was like an in, a smaller industry event in the Netherlands. Um, so we went over to Amsterdam, and myself and one of the engineers here were doing like a twenty-minute type of talk at it, and you know that was a new experience for me. It pushed me out of my comfort zone, and you know, ultimately. Yeah, it was you know I had to do a lot of preparation for it. I was nervous getting you know getting in you know getting into that to get started with it. Um, but you always look back on those moments as being really you know they're, they're things that do 
know, transform how you how you operate and mm-hmm. take it to the next level. I know again, like you always hear the cliche, like you know, nothing good happens in the comfort zone and like this, but it's but it's mm-hmm. look, look, there are good things that happen in the comfort zone, but um definitely I think when you just push yourself that little bit more to do something mm-hmm. that you know, like I said that you're not as comfortable with doing isn't naturally it doesn't come naturally to you maybe. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes people think think people do think they look at you and think there's you know that's somebody who should be really comfortable with presenting to a you know doing a talk to a hundred people, whatever the hell it might be. More often than not, they're not right. No. You know, you look and you look at the best in the business, like you know, people will talk like you know, you look at, um, like I said, if you look at any like you know any like if you look at like you know any of the, you know, like the CEO of like any of the big big companies and likes that, um, you know, they don't. They didn't. They don't just, you know, no. get out of they bed, roll out on stage, yeah. and start yeah. and start delivering it. Right? It They've had time out many times. I can tell you that for nothing. This look. I'm sure exactly. Look, I'm sure you've yeah. got massive amounts of experience at it, right? But it's yeah. It's like it's like anything. Like at the end of the day, you you look at look at a football team. You look at the top. You know, you look at your your Messi's, your Ronaldo's, now Charles Salah, and since I'm a Liverpool fan as well, um, your Gerrard's. You know, they're top performers of their game, but the, just walk out onto the pitch for the 90 minutes every Sunday, right? Or every Saturday, whatever day it is. They're the guys that are still staying late after practice is finished, you know, practicing their shots, whatever the hell it might be. Yeah. Fundamentally, people probably think they don't need to do that, but actually, they're the things. They're the ones who keep pushing themselves. To keep because they do that, that's why they're in the position. Something yeah. else I've noticed as well about people who, who, who make it, and those who don't is, and again, I bring this up because you mentioned the, the comfort zone thing, is that for some people, when they come up against discomfort, to them, it's a break. To yeah. others, they look at it and they still feel the discomfort. This is the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that other people still feel the discomfort, but they do it because they're uncomfortable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. I, th- and I think that's what shapes them more than anything. Yeah, so look, so some people thrive on that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think for everyone, it'll yeah, pushing yourself that little bit more just to do something a bit different, mm-hmm. it has such a big impact. Yeah. Uh, and like, I can see you guys are back in the office, you're not working from home. I well, so well, yes, yes, and no. Um, we uh, my first day back in was last Friday. Um, it was like as I as I got home on Friday evening. And said my partner Romy, it was like Christmas. <laughs> That's how it felt, just because I've been sat in the kitchen for the last six months um, working from there. Um, but no, we're, we're still, it's completely voluntary at the moment. We've only got, like, we're only allowed to have, you know, typically, like, we'd have, say, 100 people here. And we're only allowed to have, like, something like 15 people at any given time. But, you know, we're not even close to having, having that. It's all completely voluntary does, at the moment. How does it feel to be back in the office? For me, uh, it's, it's great having the option again. Um, it's just it, it's nice to get it like not to be working from home every single day. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to come in like there's only there's only four of us in the office today, but you know what? It's truly it's just good to be able to have conversations with a couple, you know, two of the guys on my team um, who are here, and straight away like you know it's good just to build that rapport again. But even just little things like oh hey. Can I ask you, you know, you, you miss those conversations where, hey, let's ask you something because everything is scheduled at the moment, right? Yeah. Uh, and has been for the last year. Um, so it's 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 good, but we're still, like, we're, we're a long way to go before we kind of get to mm. a stage where we're mm. fully opened um, and we'll likely, you know, but looks with, mm. you know, the, the, that five day, five day in the office working week is fundamentally changed yeah. forever, I would say. Um, so now it's going to be about you know the next few months is finding out the balance what works. Yeah, it's. I was in an office for the first time last Friday. Yeah, uh, it's not mine. I'm. This is my place, but yeah. I was in a client office, and it felt it felt good, but a little bit weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It did feel good. Listen, I'm, I'm conscious we're really coming up against the buffers on time. Yeah. And two really quick questions for you, Ron. Um, you're not at home at the moment, but I want to Im- imagine. I want mm. you to imagine that your 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 house, your apartment, wherever you live, is on fire, and y- your your partner is safe. Uh, your your computer and your phone are safe. More yeah. importantly, 
and and you're outside and you think, oh shit, there's one item that you want to run back in and grab that means Ooh. something to you. What would that be? Jeez, there's one item in there. Mm. That's oh. I do have a, I do have a nice framed signed Fernando Torres jersey that I'm a big fan of. Um, that that yeah that'd be probably one item. But I've also got like I've also um, so I, like there are some personal things to me um, that are there. Uh, particularly, um, don't know if you want to go into this, but I, I don't mind sharing. Like you know, my um, my my brother passed away like suddenly a few years ago. Um, and like, you know, so there'll be a couple of things there, like a couple of pictures with me and the rest of my brothers and the likes of that. They'd be, yeah, they'd be important. They'd be the most important things for me to grab out of the house now at this stage. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. No, 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 look, um, absolutely fine. Absolutely fine. Um, but yeah, like they, they, that, that, they'd be the things that I'd probably be looking to grab now. If I can, could I ask, were you close? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. That yeah. Must be difficult. Yeah. No. It, look. Absolutely. Still. St- still is. Um. Yeah. You know. Um. But. Yeah. These. These are things that happen as well, right? And, and I'm curious, and I have my own reasons for asking this. I'm just curious to know how has that changed your thinking about the world and our role in it? Um. It, like. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Again. It's. You know. Don't wait for things to happen, <laughs> you know. Um, go and make the most of it, um, because yeah, you know, you 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 just never know. Um, you never know when something can happen, um, yeah. you know. And you know, I've, you know, not even just myself. I've seen it happen with other people. Um, like I said, look, like you, you just don't know because you, know, you can see somebody super healthy, you know, goes to the gym every day, plays football, does does all the right things. And something can happen to them, and then you've got someone, someone like me, smokes, doesn't go to the gym. Um, you know, should probably be out doing, you know, probably out running more and the likes of that. Um, and not, not a bother, right? Um, so I think it's, yeah, for me, it's just make the most of, you know, make the most of what you can. Mm. Um, if there's again, if there's something that you want to do, and you're like, oh, I don't really know if I want to get, but if I want to push yourself to do it, bloody do it. Yeah. But it's funny, and I, just a couple of minutes on this, because it, yeah. it just connects with some thoughts I was having myself recently, because there's been a lot about, you know, particularly with this pandemic, people saying, oh, uh, you know, so-and-so's behavior is risking lives and people are dying because of this, this, and this, and this. And it was getting me thinking about this whole idea of, because we're all, we all face death, and it's not something we want to necessarily think about. However, is that, I, I don't know that we, we, we don't risk death. This is, again, uh, this may be crazy, but I don't know that we risk death. We risk time because we're all going to die. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So I'm looking at it, going, you know what? If I'm lucky and I've touched wood, I've been lucky so far, I have maybe 30 years left. And yeah. by the way, in 30 years' time, I may not be dead, but I'll be in a chair in the corner of a room with a blanket on my knee. Yeah, That's yeah. where I'll be. A pint maybe as well. Just waiting, hopefully, a little glass of whiskey and I'll be sorted. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have, I've told my kids that if I get to that stage and I'm still around, I want a bottle of whiskey a day delivered to me. Yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not, right? <laughs> and, uh, but the thing is, like, I, 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 okay, I don't, I don't smoke, but I do ride a motorbike. Yeah. And, and that's, that's taking a risk. And, but I'm not risking death. I'm risking time. Mm-hmm. I'm risking shortening the amount of time because I am going to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it just made me look at things slightly differently. Yeah. Less black and white, less binary as yeah. people look at it. Like, oh, my God, pandemic, uh, death, death, death. And you know what? It's not. It's time. Yeah. A lot of the people who've died, yeah, their life was foreshortened for sure. But the yeah, end result I, is the same. I, I, I think you're, you're, sorry? The end result is the same. Yeah, it is. And I think, like you, like you said, it's. Again, you can put this across so many things. People tend to look at things black and white, binary, yes and no, whatever it is. Just, <laughs> there's a great big area in the middle there. Um, again, where you know where there's different answers, different ways of looking at things, different perspectives, and yeah, more options, right? Mm. 
Yeah, I don't want to leave it on that note. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tell me, tell me, imagine tomorrow all restrictions are gone. Everything. What would yeah. the first thing you do? You've got a day to yourself to do anything you want. I think it's, to be honest, it's booking a few restaurants. It's booking for places, myself and the missus. Um, I remember even last year when the restrictions started lifting, it was, all right, let's book three or four different restaurants slash bars. Yeah. We'll, figure, we'll, we'll figure out how we're going to consume four mandatory meals <laughs> for each one that we go to. Um, but yeah, like, look, that's like, like, yeah, I'm, that's the one, that's the thing I'm looking forward to. I was chatting to somebody else on Friday evening. You know, I can make a steak at home, but you can't beat getting a, a nice, you know, to a nice steak restaurant, getting some oysters, getting you know, all those type of things. Um, but that's once, yeah, when restrictions are all lifted, that's mm. one of the first things I'll be doing here. And then it's mm. getting on holiday. You know, okay. getting bookings to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Vegas, maybe. <laughs> uh... yeah, I, <laughs> I, 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 I would take I'd take Liverpool to see a match since I missed two. Yeah. I, I missed yeah. two at the start of last year when the pandemic came in. Uh, yeah. So that would be that would be yeah. there as well. You, you, you miss the atmosphere of those things live. Yeah, There's no yeah, yeah, you yeah. watch it on TV when it's empty. I, yeah. And I hate that piped in stuff they do with. Yeah, exactly. Gen- yeah. Um, the very final question. Yeah. Um, when 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 time comes and your your time on the planet is done, and somebody decides to erect a statue in your honor, and on the base plate they write an inscription, what would you like it to say? Oof. I'd be happy if someone just wrote he was good crack. To be perfectly honest with you. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I'm not going to get all deep and meaningful on it. Um, I'd, yeah. be, I'd be happy with that. If so, if, yeah. if, you know, if it was like, look, it's good crack. Left, you know, left, left a bit of a mark behind, a bit of an impression. Um, you know, Enjoy I, I'd the be, ride while he was here, essentially. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, I would, I would take yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent on that. We're here for a short time. Just got to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good stuff. Listen, Ronan Lundy, thank you so much for being my guest today. It's been absolutely a joy. Uh, I've really Thank- enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for, you know, pleasure. Thanks for having me.